everyone. Welcome to KOPW Podcast, here for another Phil Singer Games edition, joined, of course, by Todd Gershel and Mike Molesky. Uh, I am your host, Sam Fain, and we are very excited to come back and chat about the new game editions coming out uh, and go over where things are right now and where they're headed. Uh, obviously, in the real world, there is a lot going on, so it is wonderful to be able to uh, take a break and entertain ourselves uh, in, I, I know, anyone who's listening to this and, and myself in one of uh, our favorite pastimes. So, um, guys, thank you so much for joining me once again. Oh, yeah. Pleasure to be here, Sam. Yeah, great to have us on. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot, Sam. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, how are you guys doing right now? I, like I said, I know there's a lot going on in the, in the world. Uh, do you want to tell me uh, kind of what your current situations are? How's everybody holding up? Well, I, th- I think that, um, you know, I think like everybody else, there's certain challenges that the situations presented uh, have been everybody at home a lot and kids back out of school and everything is, is challenging. But I think at the end of the day, I don't have a complaint that anyone else does. And, uh, you know, like I've talked with a lot of people, it's actually an opportunity in many ways to uh, uh, to, to find sort of the, uh, the sunny side of the situation where you can get off the merry-go-round a little bit and, uh, you know, look at some things that you maybe wouldn't look at and spend some time with the family and, uh, you know, also reach out to people, you know, via phone or or whatever, whatever other means you you have to, uh, sort of make the best of a situation that's certainly not ideal. Very well said, Mike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think life has definitely been much more simplified in many in many ways. You know, the hecticness of uh, you know going around all these different activities, especially those of us with kids and stuff like that. You know, not you know having to be all over the place with that, and you know, um, you know, navigating a couple of things. Uh, you know, just around uh, learning learning from. Uh, you know, kids being doing school from home in my case and tr- trying to figure that out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I work from home normally, so it's not a huge, huge change for me, but uh, I have a lot more people in my workplace at this point. So <laughs> trying to, you know, <laughs> just trying to get some normalcy around that sometimes is a little weird. So, you know, it's nice to have that time at night uh, when uh, I have the house to myself and a little bit of peace and quiet every once in a while. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I totally get that. And I know, you know, Mike, touching on what you said about kind of reaching out to people, I appreciate it. you shot me a text uh, a few days ago and it was, it was really nice to hear from you. And we even chatted briefly on the phone. Um, and uh, it, it is a really good time to be able to kind of, you know, reach out and, and even with family, um, something that we were talking about off mic before we started recording, uh, I've had the opportunity, my wife and I have kind of been reaching out to family Um not necessarily any more than usual, but in different ways, you know, with Skype and FaceTime and Zoom and that sort of stuff and being able to see people's faces instead of just texting people all the time. Because uh, I think that with the current circumstances, um, living in Chicago, you know, shelter in place is, is in effect here. And so we're going out uh, as little as possible. You know, we take like a walk a day or, you know, head out to the backyard, the courtyard and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and not really going out very much. So not getting a lot of face-to-face contact except for my wife and my daughter. Um, so it's nice to be able to do that. And, and I think that it's, uh, it does provide unique opportunities, um, 
along with the, the unique challenges. So uh, I'm, I'm super excited that we got the chance to do this. I, I've been kind of chomping at the bit and we, we talked about it uh, a lot over the past month uh, or so. And um, it's just really great that I think that the timing in, in, in a weird way gives us the opportunity to, to chat now and uh, deliver something to, to folks when they are, you know, most likely, doing a lot of staying in, um, <laughs> maybe listening to some more podcasts, in this case, rolling the dice a little more often. Uh, and I'm sure lots of promoters are super excited for the new sets. Um, so speaking of at Fed HQ right now, what's, uh, what's going on in the Phil Singer games world as far as, um, you know, mailing stuff out, what's coming up next. I know, you know, that there's obviously, uh, some restrictions as to how often you're going now, but, but how are things, uh, in, in, in that land? Well, definitely still trying to get things out. Uh, yeah. And as you said, not going quite as often, you know, I try to go, you know, probably no more than twice a week these days just to try to limit my time there and, and whatnot. Uh, but I did on this past Friday, uh, I did make a giant trip over there with a humongous box of all the pre-orders and everything that came in over the course of the last week. And I do say like even a lot of like regular orders more so than usual have been coming in the last, I'd say two weeks or so. I think a lot of people are, yeah, looking for something else to do. That's, you know, not always being on a screen all the time, which is, you know, definitely uh, this, this can bring a different type of escape for there, which is pretty cool. But uh, at this point, everything is out there for everybody who ordered. Of course, uh, while I was at the post office, I got an order from you, Sam. So that has not been, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but, but, yeah, but I think we, we yeah, still care. I dragged, care I dragged my feet too long. Right <laughs> yeah. I think you'll be okay, though. Uh, but, yeah, it's really good to get everything out. And, you know, so hopefully, you know, by the time this podcast reaches everybody, I think everybody will, like a lot of people, at least in the U.S., will have the, the game in their hands. Not sure how long it's taking internationally these days for packages to go. So our friends up in Canada and UK hang tight. It will be there eventually, hopefully pretty soon. We'll, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, and, and we, uh, I'm just glad it got out ahead of schedule. Um, we were, uh, <laughs> we, we, we had a little bit of a scare that we might not be able to find a printer who would uh, be willing to print because, uh, I normally take care of that, and the state of Pennsylvania announced they were shutting down all businesses. It was sort of kind of chaotic whether printers were allowed to operate or not, and so we were wondering if we needed to go out of state, and then what state would that be uh, if we <laughs> if we did those things? But it turned out we were able to get it done here and uh, in Pennsylvania, and uh, that was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I know I speak for a lot of folks that uh, we're, we're certainly grateful uh, that everything was able to, to be printed and shipped. Um, now, as far as maybe giving us a, a peek as to, you know, to what's next, not to jump the gun too much, but before we jump into the actual sets, anything that you want to talk about, either one of you? Um, I mean, obviously, uh, plans for, for Galacticon could shift a little here or there, depending on how things are going. Um, but I know that there's Certainly a couple of things, uh, you know, smaller things in the works to keep people connected to the game, um, including some maybe, you know, like online tournaments and that sort of stuff. So you want to chat about any of that? Well, I, the first thing I would just say is in, in terms of Galacticon, we, we haven't made any changes at this time. I think sure. um, 
you know, the plan is, uh, if possible, to move ahead as planned. Obviously, that's sort of out of our control right now, and we sort of need to wait and see what happens over the next few weeks. But um, whether we need to change a venue or change a date or something like that, but uh, the hope is that we won't have to do that, um, that we'll get through this, and, and by July things will be good to go. Um but in the meantime, Todd, you want to talk about uh, the coming weekend? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll just you know, mention that I should, we haven't actually even talked about Galacticon on this podcast yet, but uh, we are, yeah, I assume plans are going as is. We are coming to your neighborhood, Sam. So uh, I'm you know, we'll, very excited about yeah, that. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully there's no change. I mean, you know, there might be a change in time. There, is, there might be a change. We, we don't know yet, but if things are planned, then uh july uh was it 9th to 11th or 9th and 10th uh will be in the chicago area for that uh as far as the more uh immediate uh time frame uh we are looking at doing something over mania weekend uh usually it's uh that weekend is filled with a lot of different wrestling things whether it's a lot of indie wrestling or other different activities going on wrestling wise uh in terms of real life, and with a lot of that being uh, canceled or postponed, uh, we wanted to do something else that really uh, you know, gives opportunity to fans to have some type of wrestling experience that weekend. So we're looking to do something online. Uh, it's called the Beat the Bug Showdown, is what Tom is calling it. And uh, it's going to be filled with a number of different uh, wrestling tournaments, whether uh, with Phil Singer Games. So we'll have a Legends tournament fe- featuring a lot of uh, – really key uh, feuds from over the years uh, in there. Um, an indie tournament featuring a lot of the top uh, guys from today and a couple of different champions of the galaxy tournaments. And we'll be able to play, you know, share and play them together. Uh, hopefully we can do, you know, some other type of video content as well. Um, and, you know, have a lot of interaction during with fans uh, during that weekend. So try to do something just to kind of, yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily an online Galacticon, but at least you know some type of uh, of, a, of a you know a little bit of a you know, convention get together feel, uh, you know, as best we can over the internet. That's great. That's exciting. As soon as I as soon as I read about it and, and saw, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, man, I definitely don't want to miss this. Um, and so I've been kind of, you know checking on things and making sure I don't miss any information. Um, so, you know, promoters certainly, you know, check out the message boards, stay, stay glued to the Twitter feed and Facebook and, um, and, and, and take part because it does sound like it'll be a lot of fun. And, and I've certainly, since all of this really kind of started, um, over on the, the Twitter feed have, have been doing a lot of retweeting and, and talking about, um, the game. Cause I do just think that this is a great opportunity for people to, to dive in and, and, and take that little extra bit of time, whether it's the, you know, I know for me, there've been a couple of days where I feel like the only extra time I have is the fact that I'm not taking the train into work and the train home. But when I think about it, that's an extra 90 minutes a day that I'm just, that I'm not on a train. Um, and so it's easy to say, Hey, I'm going to use that 90 minutes to read a little bit or, or play the game or, you know, make a phone call, whatever. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And knowing, knowing how different WrestleMania is going to be this year, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting time to be a wrestling fan in general. So I think this is a really cool way to keep connected and have some fun. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be a lot of fun for everybody. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously keeping the fun rolling, uh, we have new sets coming. We have the first round of promoter prime cards coming. Um, so there is, there's a lot to dive into and break apart. And, uh, I don't think we should waste any time at all. Uh, I'd like to, you know, just, just to, to cover it, uh, and, and dive in to actually talk about the prime cards first. Um, and then, and then we can go into the, uh, best of Mexico and, and legendary ladies set two, uh, and, and then get on to future shock 2116. Um, so with Promoter Prime, I feel like we're super lucky because we're getting some really, really great cards. Um, the, the Legends cards in particular uh, are, are, I think, cards that promoters um, are just incredibly excited to have in their hands. Um, we're getting Vampiro, uh, Conan, and Uvitud Guerrero. And the, the thing about Conan that's definitely worth uh, uh, noting is that this is early Conan. This is, you know, Lucha Conan. This is not... Um, our, uh, our, our barrio, uh, Conan from, uh, uh, from his WCW days. So, uh, very excited to have those three, um, in the game. Uh, Todd, you know, tell us a little bit about the, the choices made for these three cards as far as having them, um, to, to, you know, be in prime. Obviously they dovetail nicely with the Indies set, the best of Mexico set. Yeah, I think with the you know, with do, with doing the best in Mexico, you know, well, a lot of times, you know, as you know, a lot of the names that we'll talk about later in the best of Mexico were signed by Zeke uh, recently, and a lot during the uh, Expo Lucha that happened uh, in 2018, uh, and um, you know, part of that there was a couple other signings that he you know, helped make with some of these legends, and then. You know, we were trying to figure out the right time to do it. Uh, obviously, they could have maybe fit, you know, thematically into the last Legend set with, that we did. But at the same time, we're like, you know, it, we knew we were doing Best of Mexico coming up and with, the, with the, the indie side. So we thought, well, why not theme this Legends quarter around, you know, the, the, the you know, Legends of, of uh, Lucha Libre. Uh, and, uh, you know, with this lineup, we just thought it'd be a great way to, to kick off the year. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree. I you know one of the things that I love is that you know Hoovy's got the, uh, the the junior heavyweight mechanic. So you know against junior heavyweights or cruiserweights, you know whatever uh, term you want to use, he is is I mean just a stacked competitor. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, folks using him in their feds for for that lighter weight belt. Um, you know Conan is a great card. The artwork is fantastic. I mean artwork's fantastic on all three of these cards. Um, Vampiro, the, the, I gotta be honest is with you. definitely uh, could be divisive. I think is to say, which we, <laughs> which we knew it would be. We knew it would be a little divisive there. So and there was definitely a lot of discussion about what Eric Conan and I think a lot of you know. Um, I think the majority of, of us wanted to do with the lucha style, just to kind of since we were really focused there on Mexico to do that early yeah, Eric Conan. Yeah, I think I think it was a great uh, a choice. Honestly, you know, one of the things that uh, people you know. Obviously, most of the people listening to this podcast probably do, but some people might not know is that, you know, Conan, in a lot of ways, um, his his time um, in Mexico was, was fairly short, all things considered. He spent a lot of time in North America, but um, I mean, in the United States. Um, but uh, in, in Mexico, he he had, you know, this kind of 
super fast ascent. He was a fantastic athlete in the ring. He was, you know, he was just an incredible talent. Um, and then when he came to the United States, the truth is, is that he'd put a lot of wear and tear on his body in a short amount of time. So by the time he got to the United States, he was already starting to slow down a little bit, um, and had the, you know, infamous gimmick in WWF before heading to WCW. And, uh, and, and I think really kind of, made his own way, uh, in WCW. And then, um, you know, all that mileage on his body, I, I think shows, you know, now even more than then. Um, one thing I will say, I thought the Vampiro card was, was, was a little stacked stat wise. I, uh, I was a little surprised, um, just, you know, seeing some of the other, other legends and the way that he compares with them. Um, you know, he seems to certainly be in that sort of like upper, uh, upper mid card range and, and can hang with some guys, um, that might even be in that main event range, uh, not necessarily beat them, but, but hang with them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if Mike, you had any more discussions on the stats with the rest of the legends team on this, but I mean, to me, he was always a big guy in Mexico. And even when he was in the States, you know, he was always towards the top of the card in almost every promotion that I know of him. And even in WCW, he had that big program with sting when he was in there and, and other guys, but. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I think it's, it's pretty fair. I mean, he's a, he's a good card. I wouldn't call him stacked. I mean, he's not loose as, um, no. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, but, 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 but he, he, I think he's, he's, he's going to be a very competitive card that, it, you know, if you're looking for, you know, someone in your fed who's going to compete for a secondary title and in that upper mid card range, he's, he's going to be, he could fill that spot in your, in your roster, so to speak. And I think that's pretty appropriate based on his career. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't, you know, he shouldn't be a, uh, a threat to a, Fez or Randy Savage, you know, kind of level talent, and uh, but but I think that's appropriate. He's right about where he belongs. I think, uh, you know, Ch- Chad, yeah, I, Jane, I, I, Corey, and those guys do a great job, you know, sort of balancing these guys, and I, I think they they hit the mark with him. Yeah, you know, and that's a really good point, and I think it's one of those things. That certainly, with Legends cards, that sometimes, you, you know, even I, as I look at them, uh, uh, you know, you do have to get that perspective and that context for, you know, when we're talking about with this particular guy, you know, uh, uh, what they were doing, where they're coming from, because you can, you know as much as you might want to try to have a legends card, we talked a little bit about this before. Well, actually you talked about this, Todd, uh, with the legends team, I wasn't able to actually be a part of that conversation, but as far as like finding uh, an area, um, of a particular wrestler's career to focus on. And, and, and you might want to say, well, we'd love to be able to encapsulate uh, a legend's entire career in one card, but that's just not realistic, you know, right. and, and oftentimes it's not going to necessarily show the best of that legend. So as far as, you know, showcasing the best of Vampiro, I think that the card definitely does that. And, um, and, and you're right, you know, I mean, certainly if, if you're looking at this as being like a, a, a Mexican, you know, legends promoter prime lineup, uh, in Mexico, he was indeed, uh, you know, a main event talent and, and, and deserved to be you know, treated as such. So, uh, not to walk back everything I just said, but, but <laughs> no, I, I totally get that now. I, I get, I get why he, why he's, um, uh, 
statted that way. Um, and then on the, on the indie side, um, we've got gringo loco, Sam Adonis, and my personal favorite of the bunch, a new, uh, updated Mercedes Martinez card. Um, the, you know, the artwork for, again, for all three of these is great. Uh, I think that the Sam Matanas card is, is just, you know, fantastic. Uh, it's sure to, to be a heat seeking missile. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. that one, as soon as I saw that, uh, that he was using the, the flag with, uh, Donald Trump on, I'm like, Oh, we gotta get that in the card somehow. And I definitely had to book a match with him and the progressive liberal. It has to happen. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so not to, not to necessarily skip over the men here, but, but to, to go to Mercedes, I, you know, I, I'm a big shimmer fan. I've had the, the privilege of, of going to a lot of shimmer shows here in person. Um, and, you know, she is certainly someone who, uh, seeing her live, much less on TV. Um, you know, the, the work that she did with the May Young classic and being involved now at NXT and, and the performance center and everything. I, you know, she is without a doubt, one of the, um, I, I almost, in my opinion, you know, just legendary figures in women's wrestling over the past 20 years. Um, I, I think that there are there are few women that are as as well traveled and, and as well rounded as, as she is. Um, you know, I think you've got other names like cheerleader Melissa that you can easily put in, in there as well. Uh, Soraya Knight is, is another one. But, um, you know, Mercedes is, is just fantastic. There's a reason why she was uh, on top of the card at Shimmer, you know, for so long and was their champion. Um, for so long. And uh, I think that this card absolutely does her justice and is, it is a legitimate threat to pretty much any, any female wrestling card uh, in Phil Singer games. So I'm excited to see, see this card. Yeah, no, it's definitely is, is one I wanted to get out there. We uh, just to give a little background uh, back when we were doing shimmer five, this card was in the set. Um, you know, we, we, we had this as the eighth card in the set. And then right as we were kind of getting close to go to production, we were able to, uh, get, um, Tessa Blanchard, uh, in, in the set and, you know, all the rest of the cards I believe were for the most part were, uh, new. There might've been one of the remake in there. I'm trying to remember if there was or not, but it was like, well, okay, this is the one that had to go. Uh, but it was, you know, the art was done, the stats were done and, you know, we really wanted to do some type of an upgrade for Mercedes, you know, Mercedes just, you know, the first card was good, but it really didn't give to the stature that, that we think that she had on the, the indie scene as a whole and really wanted to give that upgrade. Uh, she was in a poll that we did in the fall time about, uh, what, uh, you know, what card we want to do in Q3 for promoter prime. Uh, and then she lost out to Sue Young in that one, which that one was a desperately needed card as well. So I completely understand yeah. that one. Uh, but you know, with everything else kind of going on now and, um, a couple other factors, you know, we was like, okay, well, this is maybe a good time to, to use that card, you know, especially with, you know, her, her recent, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of even going up to a bigger stage, you know, in the last few months, uh, you know, going to say going up to NXT, you know, she was in AEW for a little bit in there too. And really kind of, you know, getting recognized on more of a national stage is like, okay, well, we really need to get this card out there. And I thought this was the right time to do it as the, the third card this month, this quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, uh, same with the legends card, the artwork on these, um, you know, Warner did a great job. They, they look fantastic. And, um, I, I, I'm, I like her card 
a lot. Uh, shows off the, the tattoos, the, the art that she's gotten done since that, that initial card uh, uh, was, was uh, created. But um, and now, Mike, uh, do you want to talk at all about the, the other three uh, Promoter Prime cards that we're getting this quarter? Sure. I mean, uh, I think that, um, you know, it's, the, the names of the characters are Kristoff, uh, Samuel, and Hero. And there are three guys from the uh, Mechatoid colony in the Centra system. And, you know, they're basically three guys who were big fans of the CWF and decided to get into the business. And, you know, this is sort of their shot at the big time. And and they're, um, you know, if you look at the cards, they're not uh, main event caliber by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not – they're not complete jobbers either. They've each got potential. They're young guys who um, maybe could um, become something bigger someday. Or, uh, but in in the meantime, they're they're certainly competitive, and 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 I think it makes sense, right? Any Fed. I mean, if you look at even you know WWE today, you have guys like Edge and Christian who you know grew up watching uh, Federation, and I think it would just be natural that you know if if lance atlas you know the if the gwf had been in centra and uh lance atlas had been there and founded the cwf that you know of course you'd have people who would have grown up watching it as teenagers and they'd want to get into the business themselves so that's who these three guys are nice yeah i i i think that uh they look great um y- you know um good good artwork i love the uh the fact that they're all tied together um you know artistically there's a nice theme running through there um as far as like the team dynamics between the three of them do you want to talk at all about that because obviously hero has uh, a tag finisher um and uh so i'm curious as to kind of you know, beyond being three guys who wanted to get into the business, is there anything in particular that, that, that ties them together as a, as a team or as a faction? Um, no, I, I think it's as simple as, uh, you know, I think that they were friends, so they have a chemistry together. So they all can, you know, tag as a trio. Um, if, if your feds, uh, running trios matches, I think they're a natural fit there. Um, if you're going for, you know, if, if you have traditional tag team and singles guys, I, I think you'd probably look at Samuel as the singles wrestler of the three, um, with Kristoff and, uh, Hero as, as the tag team. Um, but I, but I think it, they're, all three of them are versatile in that they can all, I would say Hero is probably the one who's least suited to singles matches. Um, but they, they each have, um, the ability to wrestle in singles. Um, but I would say that, um, you know, hero is the, is the true tag team specialist of the three. And depending on what you're trying to accomplish in your fed, either Christoph or uh, Samuel could play a, a role as a singles competitor. Do, do they have a team name? No. They're the boys from Mechtoid. Mechatoid. Maybe that's what we'll call them. We'll, the boys from Mechatoid. <laughs> okay. uh, I love it. It's up to you, promoter. Well, you know, I kicked around a few team names for them, uh, truthfully, and I decided it was best that, you know, they're just breaking in. And kind of like when 
you know, I, when I was a kid growing up, you used to watch, um, if you watch WWF, you know, you'd have the, the guy from, they'd have the guys with, just with names, you know, their, their real names who were from that town who'd be wrestling against right. whoever the big names were coming in. So that's how I kind of viewed these guys is that they're, you know, they're, they're not, you know, some corporate packaged group. They're just three guys who tried out and, and are getting their shot. Well, since we're on the uh, King of Pro Wrestling podcast, maybe we should deem them the uh, CWF Young Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, the young, the young lions of the CWF. Young lions, young lions. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to to using them. I, you know, I, I was a big fan of the the Prime cards for 21. 21- 15 uh future shock 2115 and uh and used them quite a bit um and and certainly loved with um i'm gonna get his name wrong and i think i got it wrong the last time we talked about him but it, it was the pronunciation zealous or zealous 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 all right so see i knew i was gonna get it wrong so i just figured i'd ask uh so for zealous you know in particular he was someone that i just loved using and had a lot of fun with um for mm-hmm. 2115 and uh, I'm looking forward to, to when we get to talk about 2116, about talking about him uh, again. Uh, but in, in the meantime, um, let's let's dive into some of these new sets uh, and just and start right off with the best of Mexico. Um, I, I mean, top to bottom, what what a great addition, you know, in feds, some really excellent talent, some names that have been, you know, especially on the West coast Indies, but even, you know, again, with like ring of honor and AEW have gotten quite a bit of play. Um, and, and of course, you know, Lucha underground may it, may it rest in peace, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. I was never a super fan or anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, some, some really cool names, uh, uh you know, one, uh, in particular kind of standout mechanic, uh, that, that we were chatting about earlier. So, um, Todd, do you want to give us the the rundown of, of names on the Best of Mexico set? Okay, yes. Yeah. So we have um, the from Beyond the Grave. We have Mil Muertes, uh, one of my favorites. I was a big Lucha Underground fanatic, so I'm very glad to have him in there. Um, we have Daga, who now is also on Impact Wrestling. He's uh, featured there pretty regularly. Um, we have Ray Horace and Flamita. Uh, so I think they're both uh, very ingrained in Ring of Honor now. Uh, we have the Laredo Kid, who most of my knowledge there is, is from uh, him was uh, do, you know appearing often for uh, Absolute Intense Wrestling out in Cleveland, and they're always they you know, had fun stories about him on their podcast. But uh, I know he's been doing a lot. He he's uh, he was also on uh, I think he was in the AEW as well. He was uh, part uh, tagging up with. Uh, um, Pentagon in Phoenix at one point, I think he was pretty much there to mm-hmm. take the take the fall. But you know, he uh, <laughs> he, he he was involved there, which is good to see. Um, and then we have uh, a, a tag team of uh, more um, you know uh, uh, you know a little bit of the more senior wrestlers. We have Pirata Morgan and uh, Ray Bucanero. Uh, Ray Bucanero is still wrestling today. Pirata is no longer wrestling, but. A really cool character and a guy who I know is very excited about getting a card and uh, I think some really cool art as well. The face, the yeah, close up of his face, totally. I thought was a cool, a cool one to do there. So happy with that one. Uh, and then the last guy in the set was one you know, we kind of tossed around a bunch of different names. So the last guy in the set, 
and um, and uh, uh, Jared Goldberg, who is a big Lucha fan, uh, who is a big game fan as well, is helping us out. I've been helping us out a lot. Uh, he, he writes a lot about Lucha and uh, kind of helped help Zeke a bit with uh, some of the stuff in the set. And he suggested getting Demas out there. And then you know, looking into him and kind of seeing the character and whatnot is like, okay, that's a pretty unique looking guy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he wrestles a lot with the uh, minis, uh, but does also wrestle larger uh, folks as well. So, uh, and we have a card for Swaggle, I think is the same type of thing, you know, is, you know, he wrestles, you know, mostly wrestles, uh, you know, regular size competitors, but, you know, you could maybe do some adjustments to the card if you want to put them, you know, in a match against, uh, Sky Lolo or something like that, if you're so inclined, but, uh, uh, but yeah, definitely a cool card there. And uh, as you mentioned, a cool mechanic on him is that, uh, you know, one, one thing when Zeke was doing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, research, uh, re- watching a lot of matches, he was just trying to always remove guys masks. Uh, he is face painted there, but does not have a mask like many of the other luchadors. So he was trying to remove masks. So he was like, oh, it'd be cool to have some type of mechanic in there for that. Uh, it doesn't fit on the back of the card, but the, the booklet, when that comes out, <laughs> will describe that. Uh, yeah, that so you could either, you know, if he's successful ripping off the mask, then, you know, you could be, the wrestler could be pinned, you know, because he's trying to fumble with the mask or uh, possibly disqualified because, you know, in, it, you know, in Mexico, as well as in uh, certain other promotions like Chikara, if you remove a wrestler's mass, you uh, will be disqualified for that. So we wanted to reflect that in there somehow as well. Yeah, I, I think it's super cool. And, you know, it's the type of thing where, you know, if you wanted to include it for, uh, you know, another wrestler, in, in a, you know, in a match um, where they might be going after uh, their competitor's mask, I think it's it's easily enough to, to just kind of throw it on, you know, another another wrestler card and, and use it in another match which is also really cool to just have that mechanic uh in in the game but um yeah i i think it's it's a great looking set and and i think uh again the you know having the opportunity um to to have done the best of the uk set which is still honestly one of my favorite indie sets ever uh i did the talent in it is, is fantastic um and then uh best of canada and now best of mexico there's some really 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 cool names uh to have in the game that obviously with the spirit of these sets might not necessarily have fit in some of the other sets that had, you know, come out previously. Uh, but I mean, yeah, for promoters to be able to have guys like Mil Muertes and Flamita and, and Ray Horace, Laredo kid. I mean, they, it's, I think it's a really cool uh, opportunity um, to, to have those guys and be able to use those guys. So I'm, I know I'm looking forward to it. I don't, I don't roll uh, a ton of indie cards right now. I had an indie fed that I was really into for a while, but, uh, it, it just was one of those things where making time, uh, uh for all the, the feds, uh, I, I had to kind of let one go for a while. And so the indie fed has kind of been dormant for a bit, but, um, certainly looking forward to getting back into it with, uh, with some of this talent. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's a great looking set. I don't, Mike, do you have anything to add about the best of Mexico set? No, I mean, it's one that we've been talking about for a while. I mean, it was, I mean, Todd, how long were we talking about that one for? I mean, it was. Well, I mean, probably since, I mean, uh, over a year at this yeah. point. Yeah. So, so it was, it was one of those that we, it was just, it was never a question of if, it was a question of when we wanted to time it. And I think, <laughs> right. yeah. we, and, 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 you know, we, we did, you know, make a conscious effort to sort of work the legends theme in with it 
um, this like you know for this quarter just because it, it all just sort of made sense to be able to line all those cards up together to have some Mexican legends along with the best of Mexico Indies uh, uh, set. I think it just it worked out really well uh, for 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 fans of Mexican wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but before we move on, I just want to mention one thing here. So, you know, last three years we've had Best of the UK, Best of Canada, Best of Mexico. And I know there's going to be a call next year for Best of Japan. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> it's a lot harder to sign the Japanese guys than it has been to the, the other ones who are, we, we see much more often. Uh, we'll try to figure out what the indie thing is next year. It'd be, nice, it'd be awesome to have, like, another country represented, but no guarantees on that at this point. Uh, I will just throw that out there. I, I know as soon as we put this one out there, that was the call for the next one. It'd be great if it worked out, but no guarantees. So. We'll, yeah. we'll, try and, we'll try and avoid the, uh, you know, the best of guys who have never been at Todd's kitchen table set. <laughs> okay, Cliff Clavin, all right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, you know, I think that one of the things and, and this best of Mexico set is, is a really wonderful example is that there are a couple of names and I think that obviously, and, and I mean, if you guys don't mind, uh, you can censor me, I'll, I'll edit it out later, but, uh, specifically guys like, you know, Pentagon and, and Ray Phoenix that I know a lot of promoters were very hungry for, uh, to have in the game. And, um, it's one of those things that no matter how hard, you know, folks like Zeke try, uh, to, to sign people and, and no matter what soft commitments you might get, you know, there's, there's other factors that come into play. And certainly in this day and age when now it's not just WWE, um, you, you know, really signing people up and, and getting those contracts locked down, it can be difficult sometimes to get talent. And so I think that the remarkable thing is that in spite of not necessarily having some of those names, you get just some incredible names that we're fortunate enough to have in the game and have these incredibly well-designed cards and beautiful artwork. Um, and I think as a promoter, sometimes it's almost more exciting because it's so easy to know what you would do with certain names. You know, if somebody told me there was going to be a best of Japan set and I was going to get like a Kota Ibushi and, and a Tanahashi card, like, yeah, I would immediately be like, Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do with those guys. But sometimes the great thing about the game and the creativity that it can inspire is when you get names that either you're not necessarily as familiar with or you get to look at in a new way because you know again it's like this great gift that all of a sudden you, you went from one day from not ever having somebody like Mil Muertes and never thinking you were going to have him to now having him and being like wow all the stuff I can do with him is going to be fantastic um so no no pressure on the best of Japan set is what I what I what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> and you know the flip side of that obviously is that for promoters there's always been the outlet of creating your own cards. Um and there's been some incredible fan created sets from you know from the dawn of, of the creation of the game. So I, I think that there's there's always stuff out there um if people are looking to you know to enhance their their feds. But the the official talent that we have in the game is pretty staggering. Um and speaking of staggering talent, um I have to say, again, being a fan of women's wrestling and in particular, you know, a fan of, of the history of, of of wrestling, um we get a couple of names in the legendary ladies set that I am thrilled to have uh, in color uh, in some cases, but, but just in the game uh, period, which uh, for me, you know, the two standouts have got to be um, Mildred Burke and the fabulous Moolah. 
Um, tell me about, uh, uh, about like getting somebody like Mula in the game. Cause I, I'm, I'm interested in knowing a little bit more about that. Well, it's interesting. I, uh, I think it's not, uh, giving away too much by saying Mula was somebody who we had been interested in getting in the game for a long time, going back to, um, the black and white years, uh, of, mm-hmm. of the set. Um, and, and it, it never worked out at the time. Um, but, you know, after she passed, um, I had actually, you know, actually there's a number of women in this set who worked with her, um, who yeah. were, were going to try and get me in touch with her daughter. And when they signed and it, it didn't work out, I, I wasn't able to get it in touch with her daughter, but then we had another game fan who did make that contact with her daughter and, she was thrilled to have the opportunity to have her mother's memory uh, honored uh, with a card. And that's, it's, uh, you know, it's a great story when, you know, obviously a lot of the the people we do cards for appreciate it and enjoy it. And there's lots of great stories with it, but it's, you know, it's also neat for families lots of times when they, they get to see their loved one uh, memory live on in a small way. And and I think that this was one of those cases, and we were we were very fortunate that uh, her daughter was uh, willing to and and uh, and gave us permission to do the card. Yeah, I, it's a great card too. I mean, obviously uh, the the artwork of course is is fantastic, um, but she's she's statted in my opinion perfectly. Um, I just, I, I don't think that there's anything that I, any criticism that I would level against this card. I, I really do think it's a perfect representation of her. And, um, I, I, I think that there are a lot of promoters, you know, whether you're running a specific, you know, women's fed or you have a women's division, um, that, that it won't be too difficult to see her at the top of a lot of, uh, of those, of those feds or divisions. Yeah, no, I think even if you don't have a women's division, you may have a special attraction match just to bring her in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then for me, you know, Mildred Burke, um, I, I just think that there are few, you know, competitors in the history of women's wrestling that I, I, I think – you know, really, really match up with, you know, legendary names like, you know, something like Lufez or whatever that, that to be kind of, um, analogous and, and not to say that like, she's the women's version of Lufez, but to say that she fills that kind of role, um, as far as being that kind of towering figure of women's wrestling and, and, and really, you know, her career, her, her personal life, um, are, are stories, you know, worth, uh, familiarizing yourself with, if you're a, a promoter, uh, not only uh, a promoter of the game, but just a fan in general. Um, she had, you know, a very interesting life an interesting route to getting where she was, but, you know, arguably one of the greatest women wrestlers, uh, ever. Um, so, uh, you know, she had been, uh, in the game, uh, as, as a black and white card, um, but now to have her in color, um, is, is really cool. And, and again, she's the type of, of, you know, card that is easily going to be a champion, um, wherever she goes. You know, she wasn't yeah. even in a regular black and white set. It was in a PDF set later on too. So yeah. Okay. So even making her available in actual card form is a, is a step there too. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then other names, um, we get, uh, Beverly shade, 
um, Joyce Grable, which is another great addition to the set. Um, very, very excited to have her. I think she's got a great, great card. Um, you know, love the artwork. Uh, Tony Rose, um, who is someone that had uh, actually teamed with Mula. Um, and, and been a tag team champion with her. So it's exciting to have her in the set. Uh, Candy Divine, which is, uh, man, that hair. <laughs> How 80s is that card, huh? <laughs> right? I mean, the name, the hair, the boa, like you can't get more 80s than that. Uh, but another another great card. Um, and, and you know, I think a, a nice addition to, you know, any women's fed or legends fed. Uh, Susan Green um, is, is another one, which actually she's a name that I'm not that familiar with, to be honest with you. Most of these other women, you know, I had either a passing familiarity with or, or was very familiar with. Um, but she was one that that, that I was not. Uh, did either one of you want to talk a little bit about her as far as, um, you know, her background or, or getting her into the game? Well, well sure. Actually, I, I met um, Sue Tex Green and uh, Tony Rose and Beverly Shade, actually all three of them at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, down in Wichita Falls, can, uh, Texas. And, uh, you know, they're all, um, they're all now hall of famers. Um, they're all, uh, I mean, just incredibly accomplished women at a time that was, um, I think, uh, very challenging for, for women to actually be in the business. Um, Mm -hmm. and they were, you know, they, they all had, um, some neat things they did. They were all won multiple championships. Um, you know, I think, uh, Sue green, I mean, was, an, a, again, I mean, it has a moolah connection there. Uh, she, um, she worked with her quite a bit. Um, I think, uh, as you pointed out, Tony Rhodes, uh, tagged with, uh, Mula and actually so did, uh, Beverly shade. She was on the, uh, famous, um, Shea stadium, uh, card where uh, Bruno San Martino fought Larry Zabisco. She and Mula were uh, in, in a tag team on that card as well. So um, it's uh, you know it was it was actually really cool because first off they're all wonderful uh, wonderful people um, uh, and uh, it was it was just cool to have the opportunity to uh, to get each of them in, into the game and and to be able to to do a card and I I think. Um, you know, I think uh, it's it's neat uh, when you get this chance. And, and like you said, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I'm surprised you didn't know Sue Tech Screen, but I'm glad that you, uh, we, you know, like we said earlier, it's an opportunity to get to know people you might not have known otherwise. Um, and yeah. so I think it's 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 cool that we, we found one that that that, that you got to uh, uh, learn a little bit about. Yeah, well, I mean, both she and Beverly Shade were just kind of, you know, gaps in in, in my knowledge. And, uh, you know, uh, once I did a little little studying up, um, but both of them, uh, very interesting. You you mentioned the Moolah connection with Sue Green. The thing that I found most fascinating about Sue Green is that she actually beat Moolah not once but twice for the WWWF Women's Championship, but neither title change was recognized. And apparently the second time that she beat Mula, it was a shoot because Mula had uh, like taken a liberty in the ring. And so Sue Green got her down on the mat, put her in a submission hold and wouldn't let go. And so they called the match and the referee awarded it to Sue Green. Sue Green took the championship belt and refused to give it back. Um, and uh, eventually she did. And, you know, uh, 
Vincent Mann Sr. never recognized the the title change, and and obviously Sue Green was no longer welcome in New York. But um, <laughs> just you know, some interesting stuff. You know, and I, I think you're right. One of the things that's awesome about the the Legends series uh, specifically is that some of the talent that you might not necessarily know, you know, the the names that aren't Randy Savage or Bruiser Brody or or, or whoever. Um, it's it's really great to be able to educate yourself on those names, especially when you're kind of figuring out like beyond the booklets even you know the booklets are a great source of information a wonderful start but even going beyond those and being able to uh uh, deepen that education when you're figuring out how you want to use people um and beverly shade you know she's someone that was super interesting to me because she wrestled into her 60s apparently she was like 63 or 64 when she retired which i just thought was fascinating um so yeah i I would i wouldn't mess with her now either (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah she's uh what 80 84 years old 80 83 84 that's that's pretty impressive um it's a it's a good run and then ida may martinez uh the you know her card her artwork is is perfect uh i i think you know she she fits the bill of being kind of that um for lack of a better word, you know, in the time period that she wrestled sort of the cheesecake attraction, um, but also being, you know, very talented, uh, uh, athlete and wrestler in her own right. Um, and then, man, yeah, having the Joyce Grable card, I think is great. Um, you know, she's just a heck of a talent and, and, and a great hand. So, um, for me, I'm, I'm always, a fan of you know seeing talent that I don't necessarily know I'm getting better acquainted with them but in particular these ladies sets have been great and uh this one I think fits perfectly with that last one so um anything else to to add uh for the for the ladies set Todd uh nothing more my my end no I know Mike did a lot of work on this one here for sure I get this together there. I know that my, a lot of my contributions on the legends is uh, trying to get, you know, some of the art references together. And, you know, we definitely had uh, some challenges with some of them. I, I'll say, you know, a lot of those, the older ones, there wasn't a ton of great footage there. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, we, uh, I think the, I think we Warner did a great job of uh, we, you know, what we had to work with really kind of nailing some of the art there and, you know, putting a couple things together, like the Mula one was actually a compilation of a pose from one and an outfit from another and maybe a jacket from the third one. And I think he did a great job putting it all together. Oh, that's very cool. That's very, very cool. Um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I'm just excited to have more talent in the game period, but in particular having some of these uh, women from, from the classic era, the golden era of wrestling, it, you know, it, it, especially considering that some of these women weren't even allowed to wrestle in certain states, you know, they, they were, they were banned from wrestling in certain states and um, they, they really had to kind of fight in order to get their spot and to, and to be recognized as, as, as viable talent. And, you know, clearly you had names like Mula and Mildred Burke in particular, who, who, you know, rose to, to the, to the highest heights. Um, you know, Burke is the NWA women's champion and, and Mula is, uh, in particular with her association with the WWWF and, and WWF. Um, so yeah, awesome to have them. Uh, Mike, anything else that you want to add about the women's set? No, just that we're we're really thrilled uh, to have had the opportunity to uh, to work with some of these fine ladies, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we were finally able to to get this set out. So yep, definitely. And I'll say one more thing before we move on. Uh, just a shout out to uh, Ch- to Tim, Chad, Corey, and also 
uh, Ty States, who is our kind of resident uh, women's wrestling expert uh, for his expertise on some of this, especially uh, with Candy Divine and helping out with that signing and with her stats as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, definitely uh, big props to all those guys for coming up uh, with everything for this set. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, the work they do is pretty invaluable in, in my eyes. So it's, uh, yeah, all, all the, all the credit in the world. <laughs> Consistently um, awesome would be the words I would use. That's, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Consistently awesome. Um, so speaking of consistently awesome, I mean, I, you know, maybe it's a stretch after only two sets, but so far I would certainly apply that label to, uh, to future shock as well, because, for me, 2116 was really just, uh, you know, a sublime follow-up to 2115. I think that there were some really nice, you know, big uh, moments and, and, and deliveries uh, in, in the book. The, there was a deepening of some of the mysteries that, you know, began uh, in 2115. Um, some, some cool new talent. Um, some wonderful debuts of talent that we might know their name, but we're not necessarily familiar with this version. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a couple of names that, that, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I thought that it was, it was a really, really great follow up. And, uh, Mike, I'm, I'm excited to be able to talk to you about the set. So, um, right off the bat, uh, Tell me, going into 2116, were there any surprises that, that you found in the time between 2115 coming out and then, you know, actually writing 2116? Or was it very much a case of you knew exactly where you were going, you knew exactly what was going to happen, it was all kind of already plotted out, and this is what you had in mind from the get-go? Um, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, I don't want to say that... I think it'd be, it'd be kind of weird to say I was surprised by something I wrote, <laughs> but but sure. um, you know I, I think that um, you know trying to the thing that was probably the biggest surprise to me was uh, Lord Nexus deciding to challenge uh, uh, Total Anarchy. Um, yeah. That that was something that I didn't have in the plan, I guess you know originally, but I felt like it 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 felt right. I felt like something was missing there and the stakes needed to be raised in that feud. And, and so, you know, Lord Nexus uh, decided to step up and, and try and uh, knock Oracle down a peg by taking out his, his you know, his, his big gun. Yeah, I, you know, even from an art perspective, I have to say it really gives whole new meaning to the fact that we see total anarchy in Lord Nexus's sunglasses. Like it, it, yeah. I mean, his sights are clearly now set on one accomplishing one thing, um, and and uh, for for a, a you know bigger purpose, obviously, um, to disrupt Oracle. But I, I think that when I read that, uh, and especially how it's laid out in the book, because when it first comes up you know, as you're reading along, it's like, well, maybe this isn't going to happen or maybe it's going to happen a certain way or, or, or whatnot that by the time it gets to being confirmed that, no, this is happening and they're actually going to be embroiled in a feud that has stakes this high, you know, that one of them's not going to be around at the end of it. Um, I, I thought it was a really cool move, a really great move. And, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm very curious to see how it plays out for people. I think that, um, I mean, and and that was ultimately, you know, you 
picked up on something there with the, with the glasses. I mean, that was always the intent was for mm-hmm. Lord Nexus to be focused on on him. And I thought that that's sort of part of what led me to this is that it couldn't just be sort of I didn't want it to be, hey, you know, they're feuding, you know, sort of rinse, repeat, you know, you know, just sort of churn the, the feud. I wanted it to wanted there to be some real meaning to it. Uh, I mean, certainly mission mission accomplished in that case. Um, kind of you know, going um, uh, through the the, the book, uh, one of the things that stood out to me early on, and I have agree about this, uh, which which could be completely off base um, or elicit <laughs> a silent pause from you, uh, but with Adam Blast, um, the you know the the information drop about him having these severe migraines and, 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 you know, having to go through tests, um, and, you know, missing some time. Um, the first thing that just popped into my head that I couldn't shake is, is this a result of coming in close contact with his, you know, alternate self? Um, is this some sort of weird, you know, time space, whatever, uh, that, that is kind of causing this, um, or, you know, is it something maybe more real, more, more earthly for lack of a better word or centrin, I guess, in this case. Um, and, and, uh, is it something that is, is, is just a genuine health issue that he's going to have to deal with and, and the impact that it might have on him? Uh, you know, throughout the next game edition or whatnot. So I don't know if you want to say anything about that uh, or what you want to say about that, but please feel free to to address Adam Blast's headache situation. <laughs> well, that's that was something that was planned. Uh, I will say from from uh, I had that in my head uh, when I wrote the first game edition, uh, and there's a reason for it. Um, you know, it, it could be, as you said, a health problem. It could be something to do with his uh, alternate universe equivalent or alternate timeline equivalent being there. It could be a nefarious plan by some uh, <laughs> person. Who knows? Uh, but there, there's there's definitely a plan, and in, uh, in in my mind, as to why that's happening, and uh, it will have. Uh, the, the story that that story's not totally over yet. I guess that's the best way to say it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and when it comes to that, you know, obviously not being over and having to kind of further things. Um, I, I, I like the fact that throughout the booklet, I got the strong sense that you had to, you know, to make some choices you know, maybe even in, in, in the parlance of, you know, other writers of kind of kill your darlings and, 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 and maybe not have some things included in this booklet and hold off for what was going to come next. And I appreciated the fact that some of the storylines, while certainly being moved along, didn't necessarily get the focus or, or these big moments that other storylines or characters did. Um, without necessarily going into too many specifics, because I certainly don't want you to spoil anything for the future. Was there anything mm-hmm. that you did have to, to leave out? Was there anything that you you know wanted to include, but then thought, no, this is too much here. I need to save this for later. Uh, uh, anything like that? Well, I, I don't know that. The, I think that I, I looked at it a little differently. I, I wanted things to, uh, you know, if, if everything's the big culmination uh, of a storyline, 
then there is no big culmination of any storylines, right? You know, it's, 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 mm. if, you know, you, you lose the importance of one if they're all important. So sometimes you need to have the stories developing at different rates in order to give them the proper spotlight and focus they deserve. And that's, that's more how I looked at it. And, you know, in order to get this one to mean something, did it need to, you know, simmer for a little bit longer? Um, and, and there's definitely a few of them that, that are in there. Um, yeah. but I, I, you know, I, I think I was pretty pleased actually with the, 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 actually, I think all of them are proceeding right around the rate. I originally thought they would, uh, the only exception being the, uh, I didn't necessarily walk into the, uh, uh, loser leaves the, uh, the fed, uh, feud between total anarchy and, and Lord Nexus from the beginning, but most of them are, sort of proceeding the way I, I was hoping they would. Yeah. Um, you know, for one of the, the, the big picture, uh, it seems facets of future shock is certainly Oracle's presence and, and whatever it is that he's doing both behind the scenes and, uh, you know, literally in front of the cameras in some instances. Um, mm -hmm. I really like the way that the, you know, the Ravagers, whom we don't actually see, um, you know, we, we get a Ravager character, but we don't see the rest of the fleet, the rest of the characters, any familiar faces necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. But I love the way that Oracle is able to use them uh, as a reason to gain more followers um, and clearly has done a lot of work over the past year um, in getting more followers to the point that, you know, they basically – almost have their own venue now, um, or at least their own hometown, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. For go and there's a wonderful tease at the very end of the booklet, which which I'll, I'll get to a little bit later. But for where you see Oracle's position now, I mean, he's certainly stronger, I think, than he was even in the beginning. Do I mean, do you see him as as having established kind of his power base enough to 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 really accomplish, you know, sky's the limit from here? Or do you think there's more yet that he needs to do in order to get to, you know, the, the top of the mountain, so to say? Um, I, I think that Oracle's not quite satisfied with where things are right now. He's, <laughs> he, he, he's not uh, content uh, with, with things. He, he has bigger things in mind. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah. And I think, again, the tease at the end certainly hints at that. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of promoters, um, in particular with the artwork, um, with, with the hints around the character, and now having the booklet and the card in hands, a character um, that certainly can't help but stand out in this set, um, regardless of any connection or lack thereof to any other characters previously, is certainly Prince of the Rose. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that his, you know, his, his background, um, and being signed to, you know, Magnus's team being signed to future shock. Um, it's, it's a great way to debut a character and also plant the seed for what that character will potentially become. Um, mm -hmm. do you want to talk at all about, about Prince of the Rose and, and, you know, the thought process in his creation and, 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 and what he means to you, to the, to the future shock set. Um, well, I mean, he's, uh, you know, we're, we're talking earlier about, um, 
the promoter prime uh characters um being young and and you know growing up watching the sport and, and prince of the rose certainly falls into that same category uh, i think the big difference was is that is he comes from a family of wealth and prestige and, and privilege and you know his father was able to um offer him the best training the best opportunities everything else and he's you know naturally and an incredibly gifted um athlete um so he he took advantage of the the opportunities given to him combined with his natural abilities and you know i i kind of view him sort of like um almost like a randy orton uh type of uh, of character where he comes he, now he doesn't he's not a second generation or third generation wrestler but he right. comes from he has the opportunity you know sort of put in front of him and you know like Randy Orton he he had the talent to take advantage of it Absolutely yeah and I I'm I'm a big fan of his move set as well I think he's he's got some really cool moves um, you know, one of the things that's great too, is that, uh, the, the, the bit that you wrote about how he starts his matches with a backhand across the face of his opponent, um, <laughs> and then yelling, I'm the best. I just, I, I, I love that. And I think it's the type of thing that, you know, one of the great things about professional wrestling in general is that clearly there are companies, WWE being the prime example that love to tell stories outside the ring, you know, with, with through interviews and, and, and whatnot and, and, and video packages, et cetera. Um, but the storytelling that takes place inside the ring to me is always the, the best and most important facet because it's the thing that's been there since the very beginning. And I think mm-hmm. that a little piece like that is just a wonderful you know, piece of storytelling character development. So I, I love that. Um, and then of course his finisher, you know, the, the, the knee bar and, and, you know, tapping people out. It's, it's just always a wonderful way to kind of grind in the, your superiority. So, uh, right. I, I'm a, certainly a fan of the card and I look forward to what's coming next. Yeah, no, I, th- I think he's got a bright future. Uh, I mean, you know, he's one of those, uh, building block characters and, and I thought, he was also a, a great character to sort of bring the future shock team more into Centra, if you will. So Absolutely. You know, Magnus, Ma- Magnus Colby is a businessman who, um, you know, isn't just content with the status quo. Right. He's well, looking, and wealth being attracted to wealth, <laughs> he clearly would, you know, would certainly go after somebody, uh, with, with Prince of the Roses pedigree. Um, you know, at the, at the risk of being too exhaustive, another big thing to mention and, and to kind of move on to next would be um, evolution. I mean, he takes a huge leap. Um, I, I think even as a character, um, to to be so direct and to be so uh, you know, fueled to, to, to go after something, um, in, in a way that he does with doomsayer and, and, and the trans evolver. Like, I, I think that it's, um, it's, it's one of those moments that I was talking about when we first started talking about the set, that is, it feels like a very big moment, a very important moment. The payoff is in the card and the stats as well as being on the page in the booklet. Um, to me, as I'm reading, it felt like, it, it, it was a surprise to me. Like I would have expected that in 2117. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about the, the, the reasoning behind doing it in 2116 and having evolution take that leap right here, right now, as opposed to holding off. 
Um, well, a couple of reasons. First off, it, it was it was always planned that uh, <laughs> that he was going to get this update. Um, you know, he I purposefully uh, kept his power level lower uh, in that first card. Um, I wanted him to be frustrated against the Minister of War, um, you know, and Mayhem Unleashed for that matter. Um, and in my Fed in particular, he certainly was. Um, and in a lot of other people's, uh, I think it was the same, although I, I know of at least one person who, who had him as a champion. So, I mean, you, the dice can be funny sometimes. Um, but his, uh, you know, he, he was a, a desperate man whose life was ruined by the minister of war. And so um, he wasn't going to be content to just sit idly by and not take that next step. And, and there, there's, you know, again, this is another story where there's going to be more to it. And the fact that he's taken this step forward this year is going to become very important next year. And he's going to need to be, um, he's going to need to have everything he's got in, in order to uh, overcome what's going to be thrown in front of him. Nice. Excellent. Uh, well, I think, you, you know, certainly promoters who've seen the stats on the card, uh, it, it's hard to imagine what he won't be prepared for. So I certainly look forward to whatever uh, is going to end up being, a, you know, a challenge for him. Um, you know, the I, I guess the other um, two big things uh, to, to cover them would be Paganax. Mm hmm. Which looking, you know, taking it for face value, it, it, it feels like, okay, great. This fits perfectly. You know, we, we know that he was supposed to have been on the ship to begin with and, and, you know, should have been with the group. But because of the way that he, he arrived, if you will, uh, it does make me wonder if this is that same character that, you know, the star slayer thinks that it is that, that everyone else says that it is, you know, that he seems to, to hint at that, that he could be, uh, but, but all that aside, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great card. He's, you know, he's someone that promoters have clearly connected to over the years, um, as a character and has been around in the game now for, you know, quite a while. Um, Again, it, 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 to me, this was something that was definitely hinted at at the end of the book that felt right for this time to, to be, you know, kind of pull the trigger on this and to have him in the set. And I think that a lot of people figured that he probably would be. Um, was there any, I don't know, do you have any comments? <laughs> well, no, I mean, he's a character who I think people associate with Sentra um, very strongly. Um, you know, he's and he's not involved in the prime timeline storyline anymore. And it, uh, it made sense. You know, it, is this the, the same pagan X? Is this a different pagan X? I think, uh, you know, it, it, uh, all the signs certainly point to him being that same guy that star Slayer was friends with in, in the, yeah. uh, in, in the prime timeline. And, you know, it's, uh, I think that's a pretty safe assumption to go with. The question is, how did he get there? Right. Yeah. And, and, and why? <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I think that the other, the other big one, and you can't really talk about one without talking about the other. Um, but the big one to me is Murdoch. 
Um, first of all, I think the artwork on Murdoch's card is fantastic. I, I just think that there's something about um, you know, that particular piece of art that, that really spoke to me. Um, and it, it, it lends a great atmosphere. Um, I, I, I won't necessarily say that he's like the headliner of the set because I think that it's a pretty stacked set as far as names and, and cards and, you know, evolution certainly is, is a name that I really with, with that title. Um, but, but for me, the artwork is great. Um, you know, the, the, the stats are, not not shocking or a surprise they seem to 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 fall in line kind of with what we've seen before with without being a carbon copy um i also love his introduction in uh the cwf that 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 this is is you know a character who certainly has sort of a, a higher purpose uh you know that there's that there is a um a point to his aggression if you will that goes beyond um, just wanting to step into the ring and win a title. Um, but it feels very natural that he would step into the ring and that this other stuff is, you know, is kind of there as serving as background for the character as opposed to being his main motivation. And for me as a promoter, this is something that you and I talked about before. I kind of, I, I like the wrestling aspect of the game. You know, I love all the science fiction stuff. I love the storylines. I love everything else. But sometimes as a promoter, you know, it gets so big and it goes so far that it, it, it creates a disconnect with me for the wrestling side of the game. And that's not a criticism. That's just, you know, that's just me as, as a see so i felt like to me that this made it very easy for me to see him as a wrestler while also having this bigger part in the storyline um so tell me about you know this the future shock version of murdoch and what we're seeing from this character maybe contrasting to what we've seen before well i i think that as you said one of the the real things i wanted to do is you know why is he wrestling right why isn't he just invading um Centra. Right. Um and and that was the 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 point of of the epilogue uh in 2115 was to sort of set up his motivation, right? That that he's being coached from the sidelines so to speak and and being advised that you know, if if he were to just do that, it would be a terrible loss for him that his army isn't ready for that. But but if he did if he tries to do this, he'll accomplish his goals. And and I think that it gives him a reason that sort of fits. And, um, you know, he's, I mean, he, he's going to be a real tough uh, character for people to ignore because uh, he is so mm-hmm. compelling. Um, and he's got minions to sort of order around. And um, it's, uh, they're, and, and they're, you know, kind of an interesting team, I think, um, you know, that they, Oh yeah, um, they, they they are fully dedicated to Murdoch. Uh, you know, a hundred percent committed, but not necessarily. But you know, they they actually, um, you know, and, and they've got talent. So it is, I think that they're going to be a, a a force. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And seeing that the team, and seeing that it is kind of basically this multicultural team, if you will, you know, that, that you have uh, Char who, who appears to be the same race as Murdoch. And then you have tech who appears to be human or, you know, humanoid. Um, and then oppressor who seems to uh, be a, a native of Primus. 
um, which oppressor is another character, by the way, that I think is, is, is a kind of almost a sleeper character in this set because there's, there's something about him. I feel like there's, there's a nice mystery connected to him that is a little bit more subtle. It's not necessarily like in your face, like there's a mystery to this character, but it's much more like there might be something more going on here and it'll be interesting to find out what it is. Um, so the team as a whole, I think, yeah, fits together really, really well. Um, as far as assembling that team, uh, and, Mm -hmm. and having, you know, kind of the different faces on the team, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, originally I had thought, well, you know, maybe I would do, you know, the, you had the old corporal tech character, you had uh, cremator. And I said, well, I wanted it to be a four man team. So I would do a, you know, another, uh, member of, of the Antillan race. And, and the more I thought about it, um, you know, it was rather than have him be Antillian, have him be a um, Ephraim Primus. Because if Murdoch conquered the system, you, you would think that that would mean that he would have followers from the entire system. And so, you know, that's that was sort of the thought. Now, who is oppressor? Is he, you know, you know, is he, you know, you know, sort of the equivalent of a pagan axe? Is he right? You know what? What is he exactly? And and it's that's one of those questions I think that people naturally have, and I'm not willing to answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's worth noting too that you know the speaking to the artwork specifically uh, that they that the characters are tied together really wonderfully with this you know kind of grayish uh, skin tone, um, you know, almost greenish gray for for like tech, um, and then the the purple and yellow um, costume, you know, or, or gear for, for lack of a better word. Um, mm-hmm. so they, they look great. Um, and, and I'm really, really excited to use them and kind of figure out, you know, where they, where they fit and, and, and how, um, you know, in ring, um, um, what they're going to, to look like, but I certainly think they're a force to be reckoned with. Um, now luckily, uh, that the you know the kind of the opposite side of the coin here, uh, and the other big name that we have sort of uh, returning, uh, both literally and, and almost more metaphorically meta uh, in game is is General Aegis and and his Centra um, Defense Alliance. Um, it, you know, I think that the scene um, that you, that you write for them uh, in Antilia and you know for Final Conflict, you know Lance Atlas welcome into the ring. You know, everything plays together really nicely. It feels like it feels like a big time angle, you know, if you will. Um, I, I think I said this. I've said this before, uh, actually, but there's something about. Uh, whether it's intentional or not, or just the way my brain works and is connecting things, because obviously they've influenced a lot of other promotions, but there's something at times that almost feels kind of like Memphis, uh, about the CWF, like in my brain and just the way that Memphis would have these, you know, these, these big angles and, and also the, that the fact that you had multiple storylines going. And so that every, you know, sure every every monday night might have been headlined by jerry lawler or you know something like that but but you also had all these other big feuds to carry all the other towns that they went to and the tag teams and etc cetera, etc cetera. and i feel like the cwf does a good job of that as opposed to sometimes you know with what we're used to obviously with like wwe generally they have you know one or two big stories and everything else is just kind of underneath um so Anyway, uh, uh, seeing Aegis come back and seeing the big, big angle pay off and having warfare there uh, and then you know having Zelos get involved is great. Another character who I feel like could potentially fly under the radar a little bit, uh, certainly because stat-wise he doesn't you know, 
blow the hinges off or anything, but is, is, is an interesting character and the artwork is fantastic has got to be conduit. Um, and I think his background, um, you know, being someone who had an opportunity, but then had to, you know, step away from the ring for a while, but now he's back and gets this other chance. Um, what can you tell us that isn't necessarily in the book about conduit? Um, well, I think that, um, first off, just to take a step back, uh, you were talking earlier yeah. about Murdoch's army and the artwork and, and Werner just for the record did a fantastic job with those. They, um, each one of them came out exactly the way I wanted them in the first sketch. Uh, I mean, he, uh, he knocked all four of those out of the park and conduit he, he did a great job with as well. Um, I think that, um, He's, you know, it, it's, it's funny there, you know, you, you have to sort of walk the line in doing this because you do want to give people characters they know because there's, there needs to be a familiarity there, but you also want to give people new characters that are different. Um, I think uh, everyone I talked to sort of all, all assumed that Trench was going to come in with warfare and uh, <laughs> that was going to be the team. Um, and I had thought about that at one point in time, but but I decided that you know that would be too much of the same, and we needed something that was just a little bit different. And and I think Conduit is a lot like Trench in certain ways, um, but he's also a very different character who we're going to have. Um, you know, whereas Trench was much more of a hothead, um, you know, sort of the angry guy. Uh, Conduit's much more um, thoughtful and, and reserved, and you know he's about—he's professional. He's, he's about completing the mission, and uh, so you know I, I want—I I think it's—you know—you pointed out he, he's not necessarily the most stacked guy statistically, but I think that's part of the great thing about the game is coming up with characters who aren't necessarily going to contend for the heavyweight title, but who are interesting and valuable and, and, um, fun to use even so. And I think he, well, it's a great category. Yeah. And it's a great reminder that, you know, even in the real world that it's never about wins and losses. It's about the story that you tell and it's about the character that you present um, and I think that in a game of chance, basically, uh, you know, like uh, all of the Phil Singer games that when you're rolling dice and you never know who's going to come out the winner, uh, as opposed to in the real world, uh, it, it, it certainly um, gives a lot of power to that that particular facet of the game. And sometimes those characters do turn out to be the most interesting. You know, Zelos is somebody that uh, I think. Uh, is a testament to that because again he turned out to be one of my favorite characters but it wasn't because he was winning a bunch of matches and carrying home a lot of belts it was just because he was an interesting character and a lot of fun to to play um i love his uh um you know just kind of and it makes total sense so i don't want to use the word random in the sense that it you know it's out of nowhere except that his appearance might be out of nowhere but it makes sense that he would kind of align himself um with the central defense alliance is that he you know he comes out to help them um and i think that it opens an interesting door to that that team 
um, to have him as, as a part of it. Um, is that, is that something that, especially knowing that he was a promoter prime card, um, and not mm-hmm. included in the initial set, um, that was, that was also something that was very intentional on your part. You knew that that was coming. Yeah. I, I always planned on Zillow's having, uh, you know, sort of being a, a more complicated character, um, that you, you thought maybe you just saw him as just, just sort of this out of control guy over on the side, but, but he, he, he has a, a reason for doing what he does. And, you know, but for him, it was really confusing because really, you know, he, he, he didn't like these, um, I'll call them invaders coming in, you know, the future mm-hmm. shock guys, you know, and, and everything else he was, but then he sees, Murdoch and his army come in and he realizes that this is a, a more um, pressing priority. This is a bigger yeah, threat, yeah. you know, and so he has to decide what he's going to focus on. And, and, you know, he does, he's not a guy for speeches or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, grabbing the microphone, but, but his actions speak very loudly and, yeah. and, 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 and his motivation is, is he, he he's he, he you know he may not be you know the life of the party but but he's certainly uh you know someone with good intentions well i think too and this is pure speculation on my part that one of the functions that he could end up serving in the bigger picture is also helping to kind of draw the the cda into the larger fight with oracle and his crew and and i love the fact that you've also tied warfare you know so perfectly to tortured soul um and and having you know the 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 friendship with with gronk walters prior to uh them going away and so that there's there's these nice threads that tie um the cda into this this larger picture battle uh not that the the stuff with murdoch isn't but but uh that that was a part of 2115 and i'm sure will be a a big part of things going forward so i think that having zelos with the team like i said it makes total sense and and it serves to kind of potentially draw them in to the to the bigger uh, uh, battle that could be waging and and the reason why i i bring that up specifically and i and i hate that i you know it's at the risk of not going on any further, there's lots of stuff that we're not going to get to cover here. Um, you know, certainly some of the stuff that's up with like Nebula, uh, the, the cool, uh, little mechanic that you added with saboteur and kind of watching Lord Nexus's back, which I love. Um, you know, there's, there's some really, really great stuff at, at play. Um, uh, along the way and, and prime colonizer and the tension, obviously there with future shock. Um, but I, I do want to, uh, talk a little bit about the epilogue, um, because there's some stuff that gets thrown around, uh, in particular with the, you know, opening a portal to the fourth realm, um, that, that Oracle, you know, is having someone else that he's talking to here, um, that it seemed, it seems like Oracle is, 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 has a big card in his hand, uh, or a hand of cards rather, um, that he's, that he's looking at, that he's not just, uh, a one trick pony, so to speak. Um, it's a tantalizing tease in my opinion, because there's a lot of ways that it could go and it ties into a lot of things that seem to potentially have an impact on, you know, the entire multiverse, if you will. Um, is there anything? Is there anything you want to tell us about that? No, 
a nebula esque no comment. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I think you saw there was an obvious implication of what happened in the epilogue of twenty one fifteen that you know that rip there was a ripple effect in twenty one sixteen. I think you can. The one thing I'll say is you can expect that the epilogue in twenty one sixteen will have an effect going forward. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, one of the things that, again, I I said from the get-go when I I texted you earlier is that I feel like the set does a wonderful job of, you know, fulfilling um, some of the the teases and and, and capitalizing some of the groundwork that was laid in in, in 2115 and does a wonderful job at deepening some of the mysteries and and giving teases for what might come next. Um, I think that, you know, some of the big questions that we get left with in addition to, to the the talk about the fourth realm and who the shadowy figure is and what else is going on with Oracle. Obviously we didn't even get a chance to really talk about Rundar and the Ravagers, but I think that that is certainly going to be a huge piece and probably a big part of 2117. Um, Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. I think there's a lot of fun to be had in in playing this year out for promoters. So uh, I know I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've still got some I've still got some cards yet to play. Um, I just finished a really great torture chamber match between Evolution and Minister of War, which was for the Primus Carnage Championship. So uh, things things have definitely been interesting in my Fed so far, and I'm looking forward to. uh, to being able to dive into 2116 soon. Um, Todd, I, I appreciate your patience um, yeah. <laughs> as, as I just grilled Mike about the new set, but I'd love to hear your thoughts, um, y- you know, on, on the set as well and anything that might stand out to you um, about, about future shock 2116. Uh, I mean, you hit on so many pieces of it already there. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed playing out 2115. Yeah, I, I went through my whole year of that already and really enjoyed all the pieces there. Um, you know, there's a couple of things like trying to figure out, like you mentioned the Lord Nexus versus total anarchy feud, like yeah. how is that going to play out? And so I decided, I think I'm going to run a best of seven series over the course of the year, uh, which I think would be pretty cool. Uh, I'm interested to see how other people, how other players are going to play that feud out. I think that would be really cool. Um, I'm interested to see how some of these other teams really fare. Uh, I know we talked beforehand uh, how uh, Nebula and Centauri have been kicking butt in my Fed and not fared so well in yours. But uh, I'm looking for some new. I know. I'm looking for some new challengers, so I'm interested to see how uh, the new team of Warfare and Conduit do, how the uh, Murdoch's team really does, uh, throwing them in there, uh, the shakeup in the the whole um, FDF and um, uh, the the Future Shock Mandrel team. You know, I don't know. I'm sure we'll. You know, some of these sub teams will eventually get some names if uh, the, you know, <laughs> if uh, Magnus Colby can't keep it all together, we'll we'll find out. But uh, and uh, just to see if anybody can take down the Chaos Supreme because nobody's been able to touch him in my Fed yet. But uh, we'll see if uh, this new uh, Evolution card can give him a run. I think uh, Pack and Axe and um, Murdoch and Age just all have a chance of kind of 
you know, hopping out of the top of the card here. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how things shake out uh, this year. Uh, I'm getting my Central Supercard together uh, probably after this call. I'm actually going to probably uh, <laughs> put that together now that uh, <laughs> I have time. Everything has been mailed out and uh, whatnot, so I might have a little time to play here. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for I, I, I think uh, because things have settled into a nice groove now, we've gotten used to the new – schedule and way of life as my wife and I work at home and have a, you know, not quite two year old in the house as well. Uh, I, I have some time and I've, I've been rolling out some cards, so I, I think I'll be able to, to start 2116, uh, soon, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so yeah, Mike kudos. I, I think it's great work and I certainly, you know, it, it, it's hard, you know, it's, it, it's, it's hard not to get something and look at it and be like, Oh, I can't wait for what's next. Um, but at the same time, it, it, there's just so much to explore within the set and, and so much to, uh, so much fun to be had, frankly. So I'm really looking forward to it. So, uh, so thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for, <laughs> uh, asking more thoughtful questions than I was anticipating. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, but I, I do what I can. I, I, I would, I tell you what, I would seriously, sincerely ask more, but in the interest of time, uh, we'll keep things moving and I'll, I'll save a few in my back pocket for later. Um, there you go. and, and speaking of, of keeping things moving, you know, we wanted to do our character spotlight, uh, similarly to what we had done last time around, um, and talk about specifically some of the characters from Sentra, um, and not necessarily restricted purely to the future shock sets um but just in the you know in the, in the whole history of the game some of the characters that, that stand out um i feel like the guy that i wanted to just kind of start off with would be uh aegis because i think that he's someone that from the get-go was you know clearly an important character um in you know the history of centra and not only in the original you know, prime timeline, but also in the alpha timeline. Um, and now that we get him in the prime timeline or in the alpha timeline and having him here in future shock, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he'll do. I know for me, um, he was always a top of the card guy, um, regardless of, of where he was and, uh, his storyline, you know, with, with, with Trisis and his storyline with Murdoch and everything that happened, uh, in, in his career and the adversity that he faced and, and still, you know, maintaining a, a certain bit of heroism in spite of it all. Um, I, you know, it was always interesting to me. And I know that he had for me, uh, it, you know, back in the ACE fed that I ran some pretty intense wars with, uh, with Murdoch. So I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to, you know, roll the dice with, uh, with those two characters again. Um, anything that stands out for you about that character, anything that you guys want to, um, reminisce about? <laughs> well, I mean, I think he's obviously one of the, you know, tentpole characters of the, you know, Centra world, if you will. Uh, if you look at it, he was, uh, he played a large, clearly large role when Tom was, uh, writing when every, when the, uh, GWF went to Dimension Y. Um, and then, he played a role when it went back to Dimension K, and then when Ace started, you know, Chris obviously uh, he was a key character in Chris's stories. So I, I mean, and he's obviously played a major role in mine. So I mean, I think he's he's one of those characters who's easy 
easy to write in many ways because his his motivation is very clear. Um, you know, he's a selfless guy who believes in the greater good for his people. So I think that that's that's an archetype that you know, as a writer, you you know you understand where he's coming from. So you can you I to, in my from my perspective, you can you can write. He, he his stories tell themselves in some ways. Sure. Yeah, and I think also you mentioned a lot about telling the um, the story in the ring and him continuing to have that final salvo, like double finisher there, and like really being able to hammer that home. You know that he's ready to to end it. You know, uh, and do what he can to to, to do that. Uh, it's good to see that kind of carry through to this card as well. Yeah, I agree. That that kind of the, the setup move uh, was was a cool uh, mechanic um, to see back in the day. Um, and yeah, I, he he just you know he was always a guy um, that I enjoyed using. Um, and I, I remember you know the end. Gosh, what was that now? Like eighteen years or so now <laughs> ago when that set came out. Um, maybe maybe even more. I don't know. Uh, and I uh, know it was the end of '99 is when it came out. Yeah, so over 20 years ago, yeah. <laughs> man, oh man. <laughs> I actually feel old now. Um, so anyway, uh, I uh, yeah, I, I just, I remember really enjoying his character in that set. And it was easy at that time, I think, especially for a new character to have gotten lost in the shuffle in some ways, because there were so many great characters that had been introduced in, you know, in like 2109. And, 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 and I think going forward and having this departure into the dimension, but he clearly, you know, was a cornerstone to going into dimension Y and, and, and stood out and helped to carry, uh, I think that facet of, of the storyline as Tom was crafting things. So, um, and I gotta say like, uh, Jeremy Sue's artwork, uh, on, on that initial card was, was pretty great too. So, um, definitely someone that I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I, I, you know, another character, uh, that, I just think we'd be remiss to not mention when it comes to Centrin uh, characters who uh, I think promoters certainly latched onto and enjoyed quite a bit. Um, it's someone that was, um, you know, created for the ACE sets and that is, is avarice. Um, I, I think that he was a character that stood out to a, a lot of people. Um, and I know for me, he was one of those guys that when he very first came on the scene, I wanted him to be this huge, thing and he was but it honestly wasn't until he got that special edition card later that he was like clearly this top 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 tier main event guy like his first card was a main event card but it wasn't necessarily like he's gonna he's a monster and he's gonna you know blow through everybody you know he was gonna have some bad nights and lose some big matches um any any thoughts about that card well, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's one of those iconic cards that anybody who was a fan of Ace remembers uh, very fondly. I think, um, you know, the Ace storyline ended before maybe his story was done. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that, and that's another reason why I think he's so popular with people is that he was, you know, sort of, he was hot when 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 Ace ended. And so it, it's sort of you, that's one of those characters that I think people have really latched on to. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, 
Todd, who who are a couple of Century names that, that you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, I, for me, I think one of the guys, some of the guys I really like using was the Ravagers. So I think the ones that kind of stuck out to me in particular, uh, Ventros, I think number one, I think I had a lot of fun using him, like, uh, Nicodemus to a degree as well. Uh, so, uh, those guys, you know, definitely a lot, you know, a lot, lot there. And then they definitely carried through, um, to the ace fed as well. I mean, Ventros, uh, you know, Ventros, as I said, was probably my top, one of my, my favorite guys there. He was a big contender always for me, um, in my ace fed, uh, the special edition card for him was pretty awesome when that came out later on. Um, and, uh, also, uh, for Galacticon goers, uh, I think also, uh, we do remember the, uh, voice work by Tom on the Ventros, uh, online, uh, character, <laughs> uh it maybe sounded a little bit like cookie monster we're not sure but that 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 <laughs> you know, had, had, had a special uh part in my heart there i think maybe i'm even more fond of him over the years so. yeah <laughs> oh yeah Ventress was cookie monster <laughs> uh Ventress was a was a big name for me especially in my ace fed I, if i remember correctly uh and i've got the results here so i can verify this uh yeah he was actually my first uh ace champ um he he won my tournament and uh he didn't hold on to the belt too long but uh yeah it was was one of my favorite characters even before ace came along and you know in, in the gwf uh i i thought that um yeah, I just thought that he was a cool character, great design, looked good, and uh, and performed, you know, exceptionally well in the ring. And another guy I'll mention uh, who I think is a little bit of a cult following, um, who came really late in the in the Ace timeline, uh, was Mister Bloat. I think that guy had, you know, <laughs> fun character, just, you know, in the uh, Abdul the Butcher type of, uh, you know, mold there. Uh, I think, you know, he had a lot more that could be done you know, later on. That was uh, one I definitely, I know had a lot of people really enjoyed using him as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I would totally, I would totally agree with that. And I, and, you know, I, I will admit that by the time he came along, you know, I kind of, I'd slowed down, uh, my eighth fed, uh, quite a bit, but, uh, but yeah, just a, a great, a great card. Um, and, and I thought the artwork, uh, was, was pretty fantastic, pretty, uh, uh, a little unsettling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, now Mike, what about you? I mean, obviously this is, you, you know, certainly going to be a, a little closer, uh, I think to your heart, if you will, just with, uh, with everything that you're doing with future shock, but, um, characters that, that stand out to you anywhere in the history of, of Sintra, not necessarily just restricted to the future shock sets. Well, I mean, one would be, and he's not a, Centra guy, but but a guy whose story got uh, sort of uh, tied to Centra was uh, Pain Master. Uh, yeah. you know, you know it, it, I mean, it was it actually brought a whole new lexicon into the uh, Filsinger Games uh, universe. With somebody was being a bit annoying, you could say, "Should we pull a Pain Master on him um, <laughs> and from behind?" Um, but uh, uh, the, the other character who I was thinking of was uh, – uh, you were talking about Ravagers and, and, and uh, 
you know, obviously Ventross, I think for a lot of people was uh, was a big character. But you know, a lot of the Ravagers were were very serious. You had Nicodemus, who was very serious. Uh, Ventross, who was serious. Ranker, who was serious. But Nemian was sort of the the off. The, he was kind of on the, in his own little world. Um, and um, he was almost like uh, I, I don't even know how to describe him. It was it was almost like uh, um, you know. Chris Jericho meets Bob Barker or something. I don't know. The guy was just, uh, he was a character. Um, yeah. And, uh, he was the uh, Miz. If the Miz never got his main event push. <laughs> there you go. That's a good, way to go. Look yep. at it. That's, a, that's a very good way to look at it. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, just, it, it was just a totally different type of ravager. So I, I always yeah. kind of, I, I always thought Chris did a great job with that, that he just didn't stay, sort of in one type for the whole group of Ravagers that, that he came up with somebody who was different, um, but still part of the team, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love too, that you got, a, you know, um, in addition to the wrestler, there was also a, a chart for him, um, with his show. show. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I, we've talked about this before, uh, but I, I've always loved charts like that. It's, you know, it's something, something that just adds so much cool texture to your game. And it's, you know, obviously it's easy enough and wonderful for promoters, uh, to, to, to come up with all that stuff on their own and not necessarily rely on a chart. But I think that just to add that aspect to the game and, and be able to have a roll of the dice, help determine that stuff is super cool. So yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. And and I mean, there's tons of other great names. I, I, I think that a character that always interested me, who I never felt like went exactly where I wanted him to go, was um, Aspen Northstar. Um, that was a guy who got you know introduced and, and 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 clearly you know kind of had a bump up in skills, but just oh for whatever reason, for me personally, I wanted him to be more. Um, but uh, just yeah, lots of lots of great names. Um, going back to to. 2110 um all the way through to to the newest set right now and i think that we're getting some really cool centra names zelos obviously is, is is one of my favorites uh currently i just think he's a cool character um very interested to see where prince of the rose goes and learning more about him so uh yeah i don't know any, any other any other names that you guys want to talk about i mean obviously we've got like i said we've got a lot that we could talk about but in the interest of time uh, i'll defer to you and see if there are any other names that you want to mention before we before we take this thing home. Not on my side. I think I hit some of my favorites there, but yeah, I said, there's so many great characters in there, you know, just, you know, going to Centra, you know, really just opened up a whole new world and new possibilities there. And it was cool to see what Tom would do with it. It's cool. It was great to see what Chris did and built on it there more and now with mike kind of going back there again and taking a different spin on everything it's been really cool to to see this you know this world they popped up right as we thought the gwf was ending both you know in storyline <laughs> as well as in real life you know i was at that galacticon in 1999 where we're like is it gonna go on anymore we weren't sure and mm -hmm. uh really kind of seeing that and kind of opening that world i think was was great and uh yeah, so um, I can't wait to yeah, I can't wait to play out this year and then see where Mike takes it uh, next year when other good things get introduced. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I feel like as as the resident expert of all things Centra, quite frankly, at this point, uh, I'll certainly give the last word to you. Any anything else you want to add? No, I mean I, I think Todd really 
captured it there. I think, you know, Centra was a new place with new possibilities and, you know, kind of, you know, having the chance to do this alternate timeline sort of makes it a new place all over again. And that, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to um, work with, you know, a world that's, that's a lot of fun for people. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been um, just a ton of fun as usual. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have new sets. I think again, the timing is, is, is quite perfect to be able to throw some focus uh, on, on enjoying the game um, and, and rolling out, you know, instead of one card, roll out two cards, you know, instead of, <laughs> in, in, instead of, instead of having one fed, maybe, maybe start that other fed that you've been looking to start eyeing to, to keep going, you know, um, for me, this might be the time when I finally finish my, my classics fed and, 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 and get to 20, uh, 2087, uh, as well as of course, continuing my CWF fed. So let me tell you guys that classics fed, it's been going for so long and, and, and I love that fed. I've had so much fun playing that fed, but, 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 it's time to it's time to finish things. <laughs> I think I've been rolling those cards for going on like fifteen years now, <laughs> with with lots and lots of gaps. I've taken long long breaks, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to uh, yeah to 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 putting a, an end to that. Um, but anyway, well, you're, um, you're you're only like three years behind, Sam. Two or three years behind. I mean, it, it was uh, 2074 to, to 2086. So you know, I mean, you're you know, yeah, it's, it's expected to take a while. Right, right. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah. If, if, anything else that uh, that we forgot to cover? Anything else we want to talk about before we head off of here? I think we hit everything, right? Like we we covered it all. I, I, I think that this was a, a uh, very full podcast. I think. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully we'll have, we'll have lots of content this year. Uh, you know, one of the announcements we said, you know, and, and you know, hopefully with everything going on, we'll be able to keep keep going with everything this year but our intention is every quarter uh to have a new release for every game line as long along with all the promoter prime cards so you know we're you know it might not be full game editions every time there might be you know some quarters where we have you know just a you know small release or something like that but you know we have a lot of things planned right now uh for the rest of the year and you know hopefully no other uh crazy worldwide events are going to help uh you know pretty Stop us from doing those plans. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we will see you in Chicago this year uh, and get I, to do this in person maybe. Yeah, I would love that. I certainly hope so. I, I, I know as soon as you mentioned it to me, it was something that I just I wanted to happen. And, and uh, I, I, I think, I hope that uh, that nothing's going to get in the way. I think, you know, we, we, if, we, if, we, if we keep doing things – and, 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 uh, you know, listen to the doctors and listen to the scientists. I think we'll be just fine. Uh, and we'll be able to, by July, we'll be sitting around having a good time laughing and and exhilarated that all of this is over. So, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, Mike, Todd, thank you guys so much. I, I really appreciate it. These are always so much fun for me and, and, I could I could literally do this podcast every week and and still have just as much fun. I'm convinced of that. So uh, I really appreciate you guys joining me. And um, promoters, uh, not yet fans of the game, 
people who accidentally hit the download button and just happen to be listening at this point, uh, please make sure you go to philsingergames.com, pick up the newest sets. You've got Best of Mexico for your Indies Fed. You've got Legendary Ladies 2 for your Legends Fed. And, of course, you've got Future Shock 2116, which continues the story um, that was begun in 2115 uh, Future Shock set. And uh, I know I'm really looking forward to having uh, all of those cards and, uh, and putting them to use very, very soon. So thank you all so much for listening. Stay safe. Be well. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again very, very soon. 